Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1156, Ooh. September 22nd, 2023. 95 degrees was the record high on this day. 1936. 26 degrees in 1974. Hail the flashlight, King! And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. Hail the flashlight kid. Hail you. See, it doesn't have that vim and vigor. Does, the, it doesn't. Uh, as the chat has in dinner theater. My friend Carl in Northfield. Well, Field, there's also only four of us. There were, what, 500 people at the chat has in dinner. We have a listener in uh, Northfield, Carl, who was a former Navy pilot. Hmm. And uh, he said, I was faced uh, with an immediate ejection decision on three occasions that I care to remember. I decided to not eject, but I know a dozen other pilots who have ejected. Most of the time, ejection from an aircraft is a very quick decision and is based on pilot judgment and experience. To eject from an expensive aircraft that then continues to fly for 60 miles after the pilot departs the aircraft seems to indicate a bad decision. I have no idea how many flight hours that Marine pilot had logged, but my guess is that he was rather inexperienced with the F-35. Perhaps he was a student pilot and his wingman, more accurately flight leader in this case, was an instructor. I'm just speculating here with insufficient information, but it seems likely to me. Overall, the American military philosophy of aircraft design is currently directed towards maximum technology and limited production. The old Soviet philosophy, somewhat continued by the Russians and Chinese, was minimal technology and maximum simplicity, followed by massive production. It's much easier to train a large number of pilots to fly a simple aircraft than it is to train an adequate number of pilots to fly a complex and difficult aircraft craft like the F-35. Back in the 70s, the Marine Corps invested large sums in the AV-8B Harrier. The aircraft was a British design with the ability to take off and land vertically. The Marines thought this would be a good fit for their mission of close air support from forward-deployed squadrons. I don't know the exact number, but the Marines crashed a lot of Harriers because it was such a tricky aircraft aircraft to fly, especially landings. I detect the same sort of issues with the F-35. P.S. I copied this letter to a test pilot friend who might have more insider knowledge. And we're now learning... Uh, that the pilot who abandoned his plane last Sunday uh, was in a storm, was in lightning. Is, have you guys read that? Mm. I, I have, but I've seen proof otherwise. So. Well, and I don't know. It every, it's everything up in the air. He, uh, Carl even linked me to the Navy Times, but he said it's not answering the questions he has. But I just got to thinking, well, if you're going to bail out for weather, uh, Are you qualified? What, what's going to... Uh, I don't understand that. Does this fall in line with your theory that you developed a, a while back? What's my theory? That we're going to start lowering standards 
Is that the case here? I hope not. I, I, we can't, we can't make that call yet. I have no idea. Although Carl was alluding to the fact that the guy might have been a, a trainee. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, but the, I did read the account of the pilot who parachuted. He ended up in somebody's house and had to convince him, look, I'm a pilot. I just parachuted yeah. to the ground. Yeah. Could you please call 911? Yeah. What's for dinner? What's yeah, for right, pal. Virtually, okay. It was virtually that. What, yeah. what are you guys having? Right. You know. <laughs> See? Uh, Reavers, you have a problem. Oh, no. That only you can solve. Where do we start? <laughs> uh, Andy writes, hail the flashlight king. Hail, hail you. you. Got it. I nailed it. Thanks, guys. What follows is a proposal to raise sufficient funds to accomplish two important ends. Number one, providing trees for the untreed. And number two, stopping Reavers from playing the Hole in the Sky song. Mm -hmm. If sufficient funds are raised, the Hole in the Sky song will be treated like Happy Valentine's Day clip. It could only be played a specified number of times a year. The song could appropriately be played on Arbor Day, Earth Day, or any day following a Twins or Vikings playoff victory. In other <laughs> words, that'd be played twice a year. Whoa. Or in the Twins case, never. The untreed could obtain their trees from a GL booth at the state fair. I would happily throw in my 20 bucks to keep that song off the airwaves. The thousands of dollars that would certainly be raised to stop that song could buy hundreds of trees for the untreed. Uh, this is Andy and Finlayson, where we have plenty of trees and plenty of leaves to rake. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, that raises another issue. What's that? I don't think he's far off at all because you can't keep up with the pace of the lack of common sense. If we have a government program to plant trees, we are going to need another government program to rake leaves, just like shoveling sidewalks, oh right? Oh, my God. I, I don't think that's far-fetched. You're right. That's not far-fetched no, at all. That's the next line. That's it. Well, and the thing is, if there's a hole in the sky where the tree <laughs> once stood, right? somebody's making money. I think so. Dave writes, uh, planting trees. Hi, Joe. This is Dave in the Brainerd Lakes area. You were talking about tree costs. I just purchased trees for my property for a dollar each from Crow Wing County. I planted 25 red pines and 25 white pines for 50 bucks just to add water. Perfect. And I got a ding, ding. Uh, Emailer sent me something that he's been emailing trees. Now, today we're going to... Who are we having, Rook? You have that email. Uh, well, the director of the Great River Greening is Kateri Ruth. She's the executive director. She's fallen ill today. Oh, no. So she has passed uh, her uh, in the inquiry on to either Brendan or Brandon, who I'm in awaiting a call back from. All right. So I would like to say, uh, now you have a group there called... Uh, what is it? The Great, Great River Greening. Great River Greening, and you're going to get a $10 million federal grant. Uh, and we did the math on that. That's a lot of money per tree, $714 per tree. Uh, can you help us understand better how that works? But in the meantime, uh, I've learned this. Hmm. The feds are s- spending... $1 billion for tree plantings among U.S. cities. So it's from that $1 billion that the local Great River Greening is getting their $10 They're million. Their slice, okay. So hundreds of cities across the country are getting a slice of the billion in federal money. 
to we have because we have to re- re- reduce extreme heat, benefit health, and improve access to nature. Right. The U.S. Department of Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announced a $1.13 billion in funding for 385 projects. He did this yesterday morning in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The tree planting efforts will be focused on marginalized areas in all 50 states, as well as Washington, Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands, and some tribal nations. We believe we can create more resilient communities in terms of the impacts of climate, Vilsack told reporters. We think we can mitigate extreme heat and events with trees. Separately, the USDA's Forest Service allocated $250 million to most state and territory forest agencies to benefit urban tree canopies and access to nature. That money was granted to other local organizations through a competitive application program. So your grant writer is the most important part of your outfit. Yep. Yeah. All right. In announcing the grants in Cedar Rapids, Vilsack spotlighted the eastern Iowa city of 135,000 people, uh, Cedar Rapids, who lost thousands of trees during extreme windstorms during the summer of 2020. Cedar Rapids has made the restoration of its tree canopy a priority since that storm called a Dureco or Derecho Dureco and will receive $6 million in funding through the new grants. Uh, New York, Houston, L.A., Tarpon Springs, Florida, Hutchinson, Kansas. There's just many, many cities that are, are going to get a piece of this, uh, this money. And you had Brenda Mallory joining Vilsack. She's chair of the White House Council on Environmental Quality. So she's signing off on any sure. money that's She going said out. these communities have, had, have lacked access to nature. How do you how do you do that? Well, you don't know how to open a door, so you can't go outside. So you can't go outside. I see, because the the doorknob confounds you. It's locked. Okay. They they come up to the doorknob, and they don't know what to do. Hmm. So they can't access. Well, that's problematic. That's they why can't the government's got to get involved, Joe. And trees represent. I'm sorry. Trees would benefit uh, marginalized and upper underrepresented communities. Everyone should have access to nature, Mallory said. Uh, okay, there being people apparently who don't because, again, they don't know how to open the door. No, you can't go outside. So they're, they're really in the house for a long time. So then I was reading, uh, then I was reading this. Oh, this is fun. This would be fun if he didn't drive me crazy. <laughs> this is on page uh, B4 of today's Star Tribune. Kind of buried there in the metro section. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has granted $8 million to Minneapolis to remove trees on private property, but this is an emerald ash borer funding. All right. Oh, so there, there's distinct funding for new trees or... Uh, curing, And this is to take trees down. Yeah, because that, that is a bad deal. According to city officials, the grant funding will go to eligible property owners with qualifying incomes or in environmental justice neighborhoods such as green zones. The USDA's Urban and Community Forest Program. 
See, that's different than all other programs. Yeah, try to keep track. That's what I want you to do. Oh. Uh, the USDA's Urban and Community Forest Program awarded the grant to Minneapolis's Equitable Tree Canopy Management Program. <laughs> Are you? I'm not making serious? this. No, I'm not making this. Good up. Lord. Uh, one of the largest grants of its kind ever made to a Midwestern city. We are grateful to the Forest Service, Minneapolis Tree Program Coordinator, Sidney Schaff, Environmental Manager, Kelly Muleman, and our partners at the Minneapolis Park Board who made this grant possible, said Patrick Hanlon, Deputy Commissioner of the, Minis- of the Minneapolis Health Department. Health Department officials are collecting information to determine when the grant funds will be available and how they will be allocated. This is an impactful and valuable program on various levels, and we're pleased to be able to help provide these services, said Schaff, who's with the City Trees Program. Mm. A different division. So how many is that? You've got you all. You've got green zones for racial justice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you've got USDA's urban and community forest program. You've got the equitable tree canopy management program. In St. Paul, you've got Great River Greening, <laughs> and then this is all remember to take down trees. Instances of emerald ash borer infestations have increased rapidly in recent years. Uh, the park board estimates that it has condemned about 16,000 trees. And then you have 12,000 infested trees in low-income neighborhoods. Mm. So this grant... Oh, it's just low... In- everything's good in the high-income neighborhoods, the low-income... No, the high-income neighborhoods have trees coming down, too. But they probably won't get grants. Yes, Kenny? This grant is to assist the homeowner right. in removing a tree. Do you guys have any idea how much it costs to take down a tree in a backyard near an alley with power lines and phone lines? Very expensive, up to ten thousand dollars. Well, I've had it done in a in a. I had a very difficult one removed, and it was nowhere near ten grand. And there is nowhere near ten grand. And there is no way in hell uh, somebody, a new homeowner, or somebody with a very very limited income can afford this and what happens is the city in um i don't know how it works with trees but i know in other instances if you can't pay the city takes care of it but then they just tack it on to your water bill in the case of minneapolis so this is actually very very helpful for low-income families but this again is removal not planting correct and that's what i'm talking about the equitable tree canopy management program is a partnership between the city and the park board to support Minneapolis neighborhoods. I think what you're saying, Kenny, in a in a uh, in a roundabout way, is that there, despite these fifteen or twenty tree committees, they stumble upon doing something correctly occasionally. I, I really do think that this is helpful because yeah. the city comes along, they see that ash tree in your backyard, and they say, "You have to remove it." Well, the guy. He can't he afford just, to. Just can't afford to remove right. it. Right. So I, I think it's helpful for certain families. What? Well, I, that that never even crossed my mind that it would not be. What What astonishes me is go back to the theorem developed Wednesday. 
the uh, the absence of uh, the common sense uh, is absent in all public matters because it has been eclipsed by. And then just look look what we've done with trees. Yeah. And I can further your point. I brought up Douglas County on Wednesday. Today I'm looking at Hennepin County and all of these resources that they plan on throwing all of this money at, they already exist with your county extension service offices. You can get trees from the county, from soil and water, from extension offices. Well, just like the emailer did. It would have cost them 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Not well, necessarily unrelated. On the five last night, five out yeah. news. I'm familiar. They had a very interesting piece on a guy who, I don't know, 15 years ago was homeless. And now he's the CEO of bread and fish or loaves and fishes. Yeah. And they feed a lot of people. And they do it by uh, the donations of unused food. Uh, He got the idea when he was working at a subway and every night he was supposed to take the unused bread and put it in the dumpster. And he said, he said, hold up, wait a minute. Something Something ain't right right here. And he started making sandwiches with it and taking it to people. And I just thought, my God, you've had people here that have stolen $250 million. And here's a guy who on his own and through private donations has done more good than anyone ever involved with feeding our future. It's just an amazing situation. Mm -hmm. But there again is another example of the government is so accustomed to having numerous overlapping entities involved in something very simple. Well, look at what you just read, those titles. Uh, I was driving, I was working my way right back to it. Oh, I'm sorry. They're so accustomed to having multiple layers and multiple entities of to accomplish simple tasks that you lose sight of the simple task. And the next thing you know, you're granting a quarter of a billion dollars to a bunch of thieves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they're accustomed to it. The, the Minnesota Department of Education calls the Department of Agriculture, Agriculture in, in Washington and says, well, we need another $60 because Abdul Shababa is feeding 17 million kids every morning. Okay, we'll get that check out right right away. Let's go. What the hell? How much money would the average American have in his or her pocket if common sense was still available in this country? Well, uh, every Minnesotan Uh would probably have six grand because that's what the return surplus would be. Well, just think of the money for the food fraud program. If all of that money went right to residents in North Minneapolis, South, you know, all the poor parts of St. Paul, think of the difference that would have made. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. It also helps that the governor, anytime he has to tweet out something about, you know, the state of the state, he includes the child hunger thing every single time. You know what my pessimistic thought is? What's that, Th- this can't be fixed. There you go. This, you this cannot be fixed. The government is so yep. large. Welcome to our team, Joe. And so redundant <laughs> yep. that no one, no one, despite their best intentions, could possibly repair this. How are you gonna how are you going to just if you were a if you could snap your fingers and ride in on the white horse and say, I'm solving America's tree problem with common sense. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No, you look at how many jobs you're, you'd be there, eliminating. You're, you're, you would be affecting the lives of 
maybe millions of people. Well, one guy tried to drain the swamp, and you didn't like him. Well, you're just bait. Don't don't take the point. don't take the bait. We were doing so good. No, he's fly fishing. Jesus he's Christ. fly fishing right I'm now. Sorry, God, we are a river on a roll. runs through it. I'm sorry. How did you like working here? <laughs> don't bother putting this on your resume. Right. <laughs> Say it's another football weekend. Gophers, I believe, have a night game at Northwestern tomorrow night. Can yes. they beat the Northwesterns? The Vikings, I don't know. The Vikings are home to the, the LA Charger. Chargers yep. at noon on Sunday. That means grilling Grunhoffers. That's all, that's all football means, is get to Grunhoffers and get the stuff to grill for the football gatherings. In, in fact, when you're there... At, at either Hugo or Forest Lake, mention you're a GL or fill out a ticket with your name and phone number and be entered into a drawing for a chance to win a 10-pound prime rib roast. What would you do with that, Rook? Winner Slow will be selected cooking. on October 14th. They're also hiring people. If you want to get into the meat industry and work for the best meat emporium in the world, Grunhofer's is hiring. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. The original location is in Hugo, just north of Hugo on Highway 61. Then the store in Forest Lake, which is on Highway 97, immediately east of 35. And store number three is coming soon to White Bear Lake. What do you got? The mac and cheese brats oh, were life-changing. Thanks, Allie. They get Instagram reports of how good this stuff Pickles, is. Pickles, atomic spicy or kosher dill. Also, don't forget dessert. Oh, cinnamon toasted. Maple links for breakfast. They got cookies too, man. Bacon, ham, steaks, chops, burgers, you name it. One hundred and forty thousand one hundred and forty thousand different flavors of brats. It's a football weekend. Get to Grunhofer's old fashioned meats. Poor Roni. Here's a guy. Oh, just a bit, I got it. a thing. No. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, hey. sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went and did it, Such. I took a chance this morning. I took a chance on an outboard motor treated with seafoam exactly one year ago today, the day before the opening of duck hunting. Now, last year at this time, I just grabbed it. It's a little uh, cute little Yamaha two-horsepower, little wonderful little outboard. Tipped it upside down, dumped all the gas down a gopher hole. Uh, you know, that's not true. I would never do that. Um, <laughs> put new gas in it, treated it with sea foam. It ran wonderful last season. Well, this morning, I went up to the old outboard storage shed where all the outboards lived, I popped the cap, I hooked my sniffer on it, guess what I smelt? Gas. Good, pure gas. You didn't smell varnish, did you? What the heck? So I uh, 
and threw the choke on and gave it at a couple pulls, and she purr, she started right up and purred like a kitty. I one, happen to believe that's a true story. One year old. That's what you get with seafoam. And today's gas is garbage, and seafoam makes it viable. It's wonderful. Seafoam, it uh, cleans, it lubricates all the critical engine parts so your engine runs better and lasts longer. But it also preserves gas. And that's why we love it. You can get it anywhere, auto parts stores, big retailers, little ones, the knack. Uh, I've even seen it in grocery stores right there next to the bread and the Doritos. Um, both Joe and I, we lean on Seafoam every single day because it's a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. Early voting begins today. I, why do I let that bother me? It bothered me today when I saw it. Too. I, I, just, I just, this is stupid. It doesn't bother John. Not at all. I know. It bothers me. You can cast your okay, ballot so today. Uh, is this only, this is mail only, mail in only. New laws mm. passed during the 2023 legislative session have changed parts of the process that have also expanded voting to thousands of Minnesotans because obviously they, they're they the same ones who can't experience nature. They can't experience nature. <laughs> they don't know how to open the door. Right. One of those um, new laws includes we, we felons. We get your felons are voting now. Okay. Yeah. When they're released from prison. Happy to hear that. Yep. Uh, Wall signed the Restore the Vote Bill. <coughs> okay. In March. Well, did you already mention, and I didn't hear when, is it November 7th? Well, it's the first Tuesday in November, whatever that day so, is. So, yeah, November 7th, deer hunting. I will not be going to the polls, and since you don't like early voting, I won't vote early. Well, so I guess, I'm not gonna vote. <laughs> I guess I'm not going to vote. I guess I'm not going to vote. Well, uh, I, this, uh, this doesn't mean going to the polls, does it? This must mean mailing. Yeah, they right. don't have a poll open. Uh, I think it, yeah, they do actually, because I read about it this morning. You guys yeah. keep talking. I'll, I'll no, I think, I think John's right. I think there is a central location. Do you know that the Secretary of State says the restore the voting rights to felons will allow 55,000 Minnesotans to cast their ballots? I hope they're Republicans. 55,000 felons in God. Minnesota? Is that Simon? Yeah. I don't Making him. it the largest expansion wow. of voting since the voting age was lowered to 18. In addition, and I find this highly suspect... In addition, 16 and 17-year-olds can now pre-register to vote. Oh, that doesn't have any. But if you're pre-registering, aren't you registering to vote? Uh, yes. You're getting your foot in the door. What yep. language is on whatever document they sign that would prevent them from going to the polls this November? I have no idea. Well, there must be an age thing that obviously... Well, yeah, you get checked a lot at the polling place, John, for anything? Uh when you fill out to register, though, there's got to be an age thing. Why does the 55,000 number startle you? Well, that's a, that's lot a lot of, of criminals. Uh, yeah, right. We, we have what? Almost 6 million people that yeah. live in this state? That's yeah. actually a pretty low percentage. Well, we, thank you, Mr. Math. I didn't really look at it that way. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I'm shocked that there's 55,000 felons. Matt. Imagine how many felons we'd have if we actually prosecuted freaking crime well, in this state. there's a good way to look at it. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, you can 
Uh, Vote today. Well, it started at 8 a.m. Why are we even discuss Anything that Steve Simon does, as far as the vote is concerned, is to solely benefit the Democratic Party. Bring back Mary Kiffmeyer. And nothing else. The guy is bent. Let's admit it. I, I, I don't know. I... 46 days till Election Day, Joe. Yeah. Vote early, vote often. Well, you know, we're learning of a Minneapolis... DFL vice chair. I don't know how many vice chairs they have because we learned that Shavanti Sandanenthan, who got carjacked, mm -hmm. car mugged, is a vice chair. We haven't heard from her. We don't. We've invited her on the show. She's really been keeping a low profile, including, by the way, what kind of car did she have? It wasn't mentioned that it was a Hyundai or Kia. I don't recall reading about that. Because we blame the car, you know. It's the well, car for everything. Yeah, especially those Kias. Whew. That's in the case of them being unoccupied. We learned that the vice chair of the Minneapolis DFL, uh, this is the Minneapolis party, resigned two days ago, attacking the DFL endorsement process and what he called voting irregularities around that process on his way out the door. Mike Norton criticized the caucus and convention process, which he called highly problematic and exclusionary and complex and cumbersome. The upshot, according to Norton, a handful of insiders wind up deciding the fate of candidates and even the city itself because Minneapolis is a one-party town. Ken Martin, the state party chair, rejected Norton's criticism of the endorsement process, which he said gives power to grassroots delegates. One of the reasons we see so many new elected leaders is because our process means people with the most name ID or money don't have the automatic advantage. It favors candidates who organize, inspire, and mobilize delegates. Doesn't help if they're commies either. Mm. Without the endorsement process, there'd never be a Paul Wellstone or Keith Ellison. Okay. The root of Norton's frustrations, he indicates in his resignation letter, is not the city party, but rather the state party. The Minnesota DFL, he writes, seems unwilling or unable to support adequate safeguards against fraud within the process that require the local party unit to follow. Norton then cites significant delegate delegate irregularities in wards 5, 6, and 10, adding that the state's party response appeared to be indifference. This is according to something called the Minnesota Reformer. It's not accurate to say the party was indifferent or didn't care, Ken Martin responded. We took those allegations seriously and we made the decisions we made. The state party, Martin said, does not interfere in local party business. Notably, however, the state party adopted bylaws that barred a candidate, Nasri Warsami, in Ward 10 from seeking an endorsement for any office after his supporters created chaos at an endorsing convention. Norton, the guy who resigned, also acknowledged in texts to the reformer that he's felt hamstrung by party rules that kept him from personally endorsing candidates he favors who have not won the party endorsement, Specifically, Kate Mortensen, who is running against council member Linnea Palmasano in Ward 13. Norton unsuccessfully ran against Palmasano in 2021. 
Norton addressed Minneapolis DFL Chair Brianna Rose Lee warmly in his resignation letter. It's with utmost respect and admiration and respect for your work as chair and the work of our colleagues at the Minneapolis DFL that I write to inform you of my intent to resign. I think I can take a, I, I think there's a takeaway here. Okay. And I think I know what it is. What do you got? Well, it was stated in the story. It's a one-party town, and you either buck by our rules mm-hmm. or you're not, you're not playing. You either do what we tell you or you're not playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a one-party town. The DFL runs it. It's going to stay that way until someone can bust through and make it. And good luck. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Ward 13 is his, and uh, that's in the southwest corner of Minneapolis, that neighborhood that butts up against Edina. I'm rooting it, for the southeast corner where Nancy Ford is running. I hope she can break through. She's probably a screaming liberal, but a sane one. Mm. Evidently, we can get at this point. Yeah. Uh, in Ward 13, evidently, they're more uh, moderate than most Mm-hmm. Um, communist-based DFLers. Well, Minneapolis is a one-party town. They don't hide it. They admit it. And they have the rules of, uh, created in such a way that it will ever be thus. Uh, you alluded to this, but it's interesting to hear it come from his own words. Um, back to the quote from um, this uh, election. Michael Norton. Yeah. It's frustrating and disappointing that the Minnesota DFL only seems to worry about Minneapolis when they need high turnout for state and federal elections. Mm-hmm. So Maybe it's because the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings is where you can really make things happen. Okay. Yep. You can bring about the change to uh, the mystery. You can That's, bring about uh, the change. Is that, ac- is that right, end. though? Oh, sorry, Kenny, I didn't mean to interrupt. Of course, you. it's not right with us. Well, no, I guess what I mean by that is we, we watched the governor on his campaign. He didn't even bother to campaign outside of the metro area. Didn't well, you to. know why. Right. Well, you he would have yeah, exactly. yeah. been shouted down, and he said, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't need outstate Minnesota. Well, look at this guy who's rehining. He said the party wouldn't even let me uh, uh, favor a candidate I preferred. Yeah. I had to favor the the endorsed candidate. You're with us or you're against us. Yeah, you either play by our rules yep. or you're not in this club. And that's all it is, is a club that has nothing to do with us, by the way. They're ruining the rest of us while they bring about their changes. Mm-hmm. No, it has everything to do with us, ruling us, Joe. Not yeah. working for us, ruling over us, being our king and queen. Okay, that, what, what I meant is they have no concern for our concerns. Yep, exactly. Our concerns are not their concerns. And like Chris was uh, making reference to, when the governor tried to come out state and we, you know, as a collective whole, tried to address him with our concerns, he turned tail and ran. Their concerns are not our concerns, just like when we try to share a personal story with Joe. Right. It's just like before the show. Right. Wow. When I tell I him about a liver or a broken you leg. You play by my Joe, rules or you don't play. I have a pancreatic right. cancer. Uh, what's Pet coming up on the ride? What's coming up on the ride? lost my leg and <laughs> can't find it. And Joe's like, anyway. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> that was uncharitable of me. I'm... Rook, explain to me again the call you made and to whom. 
I'm telephoned the young lady named Kateri Ruth. She's and the, she is what? The executive director of the Great River Greening. And the Great River Greening is one of the many, many tree entities in this country that is going to receive $10 million of taxpayer money to plant trees. That is correct. Yes. 14, Continue, please. And she has taken ill and uh, chose not to go on the air. She was familiar with Garage Logic because she did say, oh, she said, I'm going to contact <laughs> oh. either Brendan or Brandon. Yeah, my so uh, problem. It's the GL. She's got the GL flu yeah. is what she's got. So yeah. I'm at their mercy. I left my phone number for the gentleman to call so me. So that's like when him. Rod Carew used to get the Nolan Ryan flu. Well, when Nolan was pitching, <laughs> Rodney didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So this person said, pawned us off on her assistant? Yes. Bully? Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I Isn't that, that something that they have an that assistant? Works. Yep. The capable assistant. Uh, Brandon Blue probably is who you're talking about, Rourke. I'm just looking at their page here. There's only one person with a name like that. Yes. Uh, Brandon Blue, Environmental Stewardship Director. Okay. The uh, organization. So right. Okay. We're waiting on, on Brennan. We'll hold our breath. No, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're waiting while Brennan feverishly listens to a couple of podcasts and says, I ain't going on with them. <laughs> right. Yeah, no shot. <laughs> no <Yeah>. shot. <laughs> the guy goes to the uh, psychiatrist. Yeah. Is this a true story? Down. Yeah, this is Ralph. He sits down with the psychiatrist. <laughs> oh, Ralph. And he looks at the psychiatrist and he says, I feel kind of blue. Right. And the psychiatrist looks up and said, oh, I think you have Miles Davis. Yeah, that was just, I just saw that too. Where did I see it? Zipco sent that out. Zipco said it. I think you have Miles Davis. Kind of blue. Kind of blue. Uh Kind of blue. Mild Davis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Burying a loved one is not a fun topic, is it? Boy, you're jumping right into it, huh? Well, I have to. Okay. You know, I'm trying to change my philosophy. I think he's funny. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know who he's even talking about. I don't about. remember, talking about I me, heard I'm sure. that the other day. I thought it was me. I'm glad you played that while I started a Mueller well, was memorial gonna, sorry, rookie situation. Yeah. Yes. I've known the yes. Mueller. Here's the, here's the bottom line. Give us the bottom line. I've known the family yeah. since I was born. They're in the third generation of helping people at these difficult times, and they what, they, what you can learn from them. Scott Mueller is the current proprietor, know them very well. They take care of this so you end up celebrating lives well-lived. And they can do it in any fashion you want. They even have a bar at their White Bear location. We're not advocating getting hammered. We're saying that a nice old fashioned, maybe you want to linger and have a, have a cocktail and, and raise it in a toast to the old boy, yep. right? Or yep. the old gal. Yep. They create perfect events to honor loved ones and bring families together to celebrate lives well-lived. That bar, by the way, that's the first in the nation. Never seen it before. I suppose in that industry, you're constantly wondering, how can I be innovative? You know, what can I bring new to the table of this, this topic that consumes us all at one time or another? It's inevitable. I will say that I have, uh, I did partake in the... uh uh, the bar. I know you did. I know your mother's you did. celebration of life. But once you once you learn what's involved with Mueller, you're going to have a lot of your anxieties relieved. It's not going to be as overwhelming. It's not going to be as frightening. It's Mueller Memorial. MuellerMemorial.com. dot 
escaparé. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Wait a minute, it's September 22nd. Oh, you just have a few more hours until the end of business tomorrow. Uh, well, let me start at the beginning. Moon Motorsports, um, exciting showroom, best in the area. Many of the models that we're looking for, including used models. Now, what I was referring to is the sale they have, a big used inventory reduction sale going on now until the end of business tomorrow. You can save thousands on the used bike, ATV, or side-by-side -side of your choosing and whatever they have on stock there. Uh, and if you need to see that stock, first of all, look them up, moonmotorsports.com, or better yet, stop into Monticello, walk into that showroom, and be blown away. And I know what's going to happen when you walk in, you're going to start, you're immediately going to start thinking, new, new, new. Well, uh, you can get deep discounts on some new models. For instance, this Can-Am Maverick, uh, the X3 Max, it's a side-by-side, -side, and the Outlander X. TP850, the wheelers, both of them deeply reduced. The ultimate family adventure awaits you this fall. It's the best time to ride in the fall. Make some memories with those kiddos or your family, your friends, whatever. We're talking Moon Motorsports here, just off 94 in Monticello, about 25 minutes west of the Twin Cities, and on the web, moonmotorsports.com. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, before I get to news, let me uh, clear up some of the uh, misinformation you guys gave out about voting, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feel free. Here we go. You can early vote absentee, or you, every county has an election office that you can go to. So, like, Kenny out in Bum, uh, you know, Minnesota, yeah. you can just wander down any morning you like, Kenny, and vote up until November, whatever. The Starting hell, today, seven. you can vote any day you Starting want. Starting today, any day you want, you can run down there and go. Why does that bother uh, me? I don't know. It's the because we fixed, we're, we're attempting to fix something that's not broken. Well, it was broken, but pre-registration for 16 and 17 no, it wasn't. Was, you know, it wasn't, it was not broken. Yeah, it's been perfect, yeah. Uh, you are not uh There's no registered. such thing as perfection. When when you... We try to do the best we can, Joe. Mm -hmm. When you are 16 or 17, you can now pre-register, and you have to go to a uh, election center or wherever, pre-register, and you have to fill out the paperwork. You have to show ID. You have to show Social Security. You have to show your ID, et cetera. You're not put on any registration rolls at that point. Uh, you are uh, automatically put on a registration roll when you turn 18, according to what you filled out and what they took from your driver's license, etc. So if you show up at a polling place and you're 17, you'd still have to show ID proving you're 18. Why, why is that necessary, do you think, John? I don't think it is, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure the excuse is to get young people uh, well, involved. Of course right? it is. I'm sure that's the excuse. Uh, so I'm not sure that that's... Uh, no. And the... Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just finish, then I'll ask a question. Well, I was just going to say, and the uh, felon thing, apparently now, if you have served your time right, and you're on parole or probation, that clears you, gotta you up to the You've got to be out of the Husqvarna. You've got to be out of the Husqvarna. Yes, you and served your time. <laughs> yes. So uh, when I register to vote, I don't have to register as a Republican or Democrat, do I? Because if I register no. as a Republican, I don't want the FBI showing up at my doorstep. No, you don't. Take away my stuff. You guys, you guys are such my snowflakes. First Amendment stuff. He's uh, such snowflakes. Uh, you guys don't uh, have to register as anything. You can just show up and register. Oh, yeah. all right. I'll well, register with your Or if I live in Minneapolis, I could just have somebody else <laughs> cast my ballot for me. You'd be yeah. Well, you'd, we'd just assume you're a Democrat if you registered in, in uh, Minneapolis. So, so. Well, can I just can I register somebody that doesn't exist? Sure. Sure. Oh yeah. 
Why not? Well, how, how, how would you do that? Uh, well, I had a fake since deal. you guys are going to continue to spread misinformation, John, I, have, I own two homes. I own two yeah. homes. One of them is empty. Why don't, twice. why don't I put somebody in there? Kenny's rich. Well, you, you got to bring some ID and stuff with you if you're going to register. Kenny, we all actually what we'll do, we'll just, you know, drive a minivan with a bunch of bags full of ballots. We'll just drop everybody's off at the same time. That's, that's, that's usually under idea. the cover of darkness, right that's around midnight. Or so idea. I think that's what we'll end up doing. Yeah. I forgot. What was Kenny's humble brag just th- 30 seconds ago? He has two homes. Oh, <laughs> two homes. Okay, yeah. Okay. Humble brag. <laughs> humble brag. Yeah. I got to tell you, it's kind of a pain in the ass hanging out with you pores every day. <laughs> you pores. I'm a really poor now. God. Which is the one that's leaning? <laughs> <laughs> he, you walk in the front uh, porch. Yeah. He eats golf spikes to walk in the right, damn thing. Right. <laughs> There's right, a permanent so. smell of skunk. Right. Yeah. 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 The one John. that's leaning. <laughs> this is John the Poor with the news. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Our boy. friends at. Our friends. <laughs> Our friends at Five Eyewitness News have learned that a lot of the Minneapolis or Minnesota, excuse me, law enforcement agencies still do not plan to reinstate their school resource officers, despite yet another opinion from State Attorney General Keith Ellison. He issued a clarification to a recent change in state law. The opinion states school resource officers, quote, may use force as reasonably necessary to carry out official duties. The attorney general noted that SROs are not restricted from physical contact with nonviolent students, but they should avoid prone or face-down restraints or physical holds that restrict breathing unless there's an imminent threat of bodily harm. That opinion was followed by a closed-door meeting with the governor and various groups representing law enforcement on Wednesday night. Uh, and Channel 5, the folks downstairs, contacted uh, some departments, and they still, still said they're not uh, sending their SROs back. Among those, Hennepin County, Blaine, Brooklyn Park, Apple Valley, Woodbury, Plymouth, Coon Rapids, and Egan. That's a short list of folks uh, who still will not send SROs back. In a statement last night, Governor Tim Walz expressed his optimism following the meeting and said the issue will be taken up during next year's legislative session. Well, I think we have an attorney general, uh, unfortunately, who many people do not trust. Yeah. And they have many reasons why they shouldn't. Yep. University of Minnesota has released new details about a data breach investigation that began earlier this year. The school announced on August 22nd it had learned of a breach on July 21st that included records dating back to 1989. Yesterday, a spokesperson for the U announced those records involved people who attended, worked, or applied to be a student at the school, or if they were involved in university programs between 1989 and August 2021. School officials said yesterday the data the infiltrator received may include individuals' full names, addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers, driver's license or passport information, university identification numbers, birth date and demographic information, admissions, applications, employment information, and details on affiliation with the university. Spokesperson added the investigation revealed donations, medical treatment, passwords, and credit card info were not accessed. Two people are in custody after allegedly stealing a car and crashing it into a pizza restaurant and a St. Paul squad car while trying to escape police. Officers from the St. Paul Police Department called to the 1400 block of Lincoln Avenue around 12.30 p.m. Thursday after being notified a stolen Jeep Wrangler was in St. Paul. A short time later, law enforcement was notified the Jeep had moved behind the Topper's Pizza 
on Grand Avenue. Spokesperson for the St. Paul. Thank John, you, you only did Go this to story because <laughs> of Go that to the top, aspect. Man. I don't, I don't, I don't know toppers. Well, it's a long mm. story, Joe. It's yeah, something in our past that we talked about <laughs> on the show many years ago. <laughs> a spokesperson for St. Paul said, "We'll try to avoid police." The jeep hit the corner of Toppers. Toppers hit a Ramsey County Sheriff's squad car. Are you topping it tonight or no? <laughs> toppers wasn't that that place in Wisconsin? There, yes, it was, and there are there's toppers there. All right, let's yeah. come. Is there a chain? Let Let's come clean. Yeah, so years ahead. and years ago, when we were on the radio, it was a news story, it, right? It was a horrible. It was a story, horrific yes. story. Yes. A double murder, whatever yes. it was. And John says it was innocently. John threw in, and it was located next to a Topper's Pizza. And Rook gives me the. Glance of what was that? And I just thought, no, don't start laughing because you know, not not good to laugh at that problem. No, but he gives me the dumb rookie glance. Are you going to the top? (laughs) We topping it tonight or what? Well, and then for about two years following, anytime uh, we'd see a Topper's Pizza, we'd take a picture and I'd send it it to Chris and Rook just to say, hey, look what I found. I'm uh, I'm topping it if you guys want to come out. (laughs) Guys want to hang? I'm going to be at the top. Anybody get hurt, John? Uh, somebody got killed, actually. It no, was, no, it was no, a, no, John. I'm trying to one. bring you back to your current in this story. One. No, no, yeah. no, not in this one. Not Just this some one. property Just, damage. Uh, we've, uh, we've had some arrests. Uh, formal charges are pending. <laughs> you ever had a good slice from the top? I have not. Oh, you got to try the top. Start Take your to the top. Star Tribune reporting the second phase of U.S. Bank Stadium's enhanced security perimeter could be bigger uh, bigger and more expensive than initially planned, and taxpayers will be asked to pay for it, and according to the Minnesota Sports Facilities Authority. Until the, uh, now, the cost estimate was about $48 million, but Chair Mike Vekic said Kansas City and Missouri-based architectural firm Populous will develop a better estimate in coming weeks. The enhanced perimeter is intended to keep fans of the Vikings and concertgoers safe from any possible attack while they're inside. At the monthly MSFA meeting yesterday, commissioners signed off on a $374,000 contract for Populous to develop designs for the next phase. Vekic expects Populous to provide two or three options. Whatever they decide on design, Vekic said the MSFA will be asking Governor Walls and the legislature for money next year, either in cash from the state's treasury or in state holding money. One main question of the second phase, whether to extend the perimeter across Chicago Avenue South, which is closed to vehicle traffic on event days. You're going to ask the same question. Are we talking about a fence? Well, they want to cl- yeah perimeter, and they end up closing more streets around the area, too. Oh, to I thought you were going with, why the hell are we paying for that? Well, that's a mm-hmm. given. You know what's dropped out of the news? Apparently, mm-hmm. birds are not dying by crashing into that football well, stadium. We... T- we- Changed the glass, didn't we? We have to go bird free. We did. Bird yeah, we proof? did. Ch- we we did change some glass. We, we ch- I thought we changed something midway through the construction of that, or maybe we changed. I don't know. But I thought they they addressed the issue. That place looks like a, a hangar for unidentified flying objects. I like it. It's a neat facility. It looks like a hangar. You still have not set foot inside. I here. haven't yet. Hmm. I will. I like it because you feel like you're outdoors. I there's like a lot of part. sunlight. I like that part. Yeah. Uh, why don't we take a short break here and uh, see what our friend, the rookie, has to tell us. I'm going to tell you all sorts of things about Minnesota Masonic Charities, but what you can do is you can go to their website, mnmasoniccharities.org, to learn a whole bunch more about their podcast, about their scholarships, about the great 
stuff they've been doing, and stuff really demeans it. They've been helping people since 2006 when all of these guys came together and they said, let's get great work done. Find out more about them and find out all the secrets. There's no more secrets. They've been on Garage Logic for I don't know how long. Check them out online. Poke around the website, mnmasoniccharities.org. What a great outfit, and we're so happy that they're delivering their message on the Garage Logic podcast. mnmasoniccharities.org. Check it out today. Positive Thursday on Friday, brought to us by Schoonover Body Works and Auto Care. <laughs> They're in Shoreview, 1060 County Road E, just off of Lexington. The almost all done and finished and brand new Lexington Avenue there in Shoreview. And anything you need related to auto care can be had at Schoonover. Schoonie on the phone with us. Mike, I have a question about hail. Um you know, you get the hail damage, and like in my case, I can't even really see it. Do I turn it into the insurance company and cash the check, or do I turn it into the insurance company and fix the vehicle, or what do I do here? And I see some people that cash the check, and you can see hail damage from 20, 30 feet away. What's, what does the insurance company want you to do about your hail damage? Well, Kenny, good question. Uh, number one, uh, insurance is, is not really your friend here because they're, uh, they're expecting that most people are going to cash the check and just drive with the hail. Uh, yeah. But this hail storm that went through last month is a little different because that, uh, that was serious hail and it did serious damage. And uh, this go around, we're seeing more, we're totaling out more cars just simply because we're running into, you know, 15 to 20 to $30,000 worth of damage because these cars got popped so badly. Wow. Um, but for instance, we are having conversations with some customers. You can drive a car around with hail damage on it and it's not going to cause any issues. If your windshield's cracked or broken or the back glass is broken or the sunroof is broken, you know, you should have those things replaced because those are, when they're cracked, then, then that is, you know, that, that diminishes the structural integrity of the car uh, and and the car is not as strong should you get in a collision or roll it over. So the glass should be replaced. Uh, but if uh, there's dents all over, you know, um, you, you can definitely drive it around. And what we do for, for our customers, um, and there's so much work out there right now that we've had to pause and and push people out to the spring to deal with it because we're coming up to deer season, snow season, crazy weather seasons and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so we're pushing people out to the spring, but if they have a broken windshield, you know, see what your insurance company does. If, if you want to get a good idea of if your insurance company was fair or not, we do charge a, uh, fee to inspect your vehicle, circle it up, take more pictures, submit a supplement, send it into your insurance company so uh, so that the estimate is a little bit more accurate. And then if you still choose that you don't want to have it fixed, then that's your choice. But you that is your car. That is your property. Unless I'm, I, I should back up here, Kenny. Unless there's a lien on it, unless the bank has a lien or yeah, uh, that's... a credit company or something has a lien on it, you know, then you're, you know, you're good to go. But if there is a lien on it, you got to get it fixed. But um, I talked to a customer last night, a young gal that has a Mazda that is almost paid off. It's a really cool white 
car and it's got hail damage all over it, it's going to be a total loss. Hmm. And I told her, you know, we'll, we'll put a Titleist sticker on the side of it with uh, your favorite number and it'll be a little drive around golf ball. Um, <laughs> it's just, that uh, bad. Huh? It. So wow. It was bad. Yeah. It was so bad. these cars get totaled out. Then what happens to them? They just get parted out. Yeah, well, the sheet metal is, you know, you know, the sheet metal is pretty sketchy, especially the top panels. Uh, right. Those are just hammered. And uh, but uh, if it's a total, it's a total. And then these things, too, you know, uh, some of these repairs will take uh, anywhere from four to eight weeks to do because we are, you know, peeling off roof skins and doing conventional body work on top panels. And it's uh, it's it's serious, serious body work. So, um you know, and of course, the yeller that has any questions on that, they feel free to give me a call. I might be headed down the wrong path here, and you might have to redirect me. But I'm I'm coming up with a get rich quick scheme here, where I'm going to open up a, a business, a dealership, and only sell hail damage vehicles. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't I don't I think you'd be uh, late to the party on that one, Kenny. I think oh. that. Uh, Somebody's already got, got that taken care of. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Well, that's good to know. Um, and I hope I don't have to ever make that decision. I mean, the hail damage on my truck, I can't see it. Only professionals can see it. And uh, I don't care what they can see as long as I can see it. Yeah, and and, and like I say, if, if, if any questions at all, just give me a call and, you know, my time is free and I'll be happy to talk to anybody about it and give them advice as best I can because everybody's do. different. Yeah. Everybody's different. Thank you, Mike. Uh, anything you need related to your automobile, you can find it at Schoonover Body Works and Auto Care, the official body shop of Garage Logic, always rated one of the top shops in the metro, schoonoverbodyworks.com. Still got to do our guy with the, sc- the screech. Oh, okay. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. I'll tell you how to make a move. Make a move and ditch your big national bank and go with my friends at North American Banking Company. You see, they first opened back in 1998 and they made a promise to deliver a better banking experience for their customers where you know your banker and they also know you. And while a lot has changed since then, this commitment to being a true community bank in the Twin Cities, that... That is not. And here's what makes them different. You see, they offer the same online and mobile banking options as the other banks, but you're going to get the unparalleled service of a community bank. They are also locally owned and operated. And this is big because that means loan decisions are made right here in the Twin Cities. They are not sent out of state. So this helps business owners solve problems quickly and expand their business with confidence. So stop in at any one of their six locations, Roseville, 50th and France, Hastings, Woodbury, Shoreview, and their new location branch in Maple Grove. And please let them know you heard about it on the GL Podcast. You can also visit their website, nabankco.com. nabankco.com is their website. North American Banking Company member FDIC is an equal housing lender. In other Joe, news. Too uh, fast. No, no. Uh, let's see, fifty nine, sixty one, oh two. John, as the uh, Republican stalemate over government funding continues, two freshman GOP House members opened the door yesterday to end running the party's leadership and working with Democrats to fund the government. Reps Mark Molinaro and Mike Lawler, two New York Republicans who represent Hudson Valley area districts that voted for Biden in 2020, say they're willing to consider what they call a discharge petition to force votes on a short-term funding bill if the party fails to get its act together. Yesterday, 
vote to bring a defense spending bill to the floor failed, forcing Speaker Kevin McCarthy to send House members home for the weekend without a government funding deal in sight. All of this has put House Republicans even deeper into a nasty civil war that's seen members lobbying insults to each other and the public left to worry about a potentially calamitous shutdown. That would be, in the words of Mike Garcia, representative from California, Republican, mutually assured destruction. Uh, Republican Representative Anthony D'Esposito said we're pretty frustrated as he talked about ultra-conservatives holding the party hostage on Thursday. They're all rotten. Every one of them. Speaking of rotten, U.S. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey and his wife indicted today on charges they took bribes of cash, gold bars, and a luxury car for a range of corrupt acts, including using his influence over foreign affairs to benefit the authoritarian government of Egypt. A search of the couple's home turned up 100 grand in gold bars, $480,000 in hidden cash, according to prosecutors, who announced the charges against the 69-year-old Democrat nearly six years after an earlier criminal case against him ended with a deadlocked jury. The indictment is unrelated to the earlier charges that alleged Menendez accepted lavish gifts, uh, gifts to pressure government officials on behalf of a Florida doctor. A lawyer for Menendez's wife didn't immediately respond to messages seeking comment. Messages were left from Menendez's Senate spokesperson and his political consultant by various news organizations he has answered none of those messages yet yeah did you guys see the video what state was this loser menendez is from uh, new jersey new jersey i believe Mm -hmm. yes new jersey yep you're correct did you see the video yesterday of your guy fetterman basically admitting he has a difficult time understanding well he shouldn't be in congress but apparently no one cares well it's just yeah. Okay. Good point. <laughs> a, a growing wave of migration that's been building at the U.S.-Mexico border for the past few months is exploding in a small Texas city. Eagle Pass Mayor Rolando Salinas Jr. declared a state of emergency as thousands of migrants are entering daily, overwhelming the resources of federal border agents and the community's only shelter. About 3,000 migrants crossed Wednesday, another 3,000 yesterday, according to U.S. Rep. Tony Gonzalez. He said the Border Control estimates that by today, 10,000 migrants will have illegally entered Eagle Pass in a week. Amid the chaos, a three-year-old drowned crossing the Rio Grande near Eagle Pass, according to Texas authorities. Most of the migrants are expected to request asylum, a process that could take years if they're released in the U.S. to await adjudication in clogged immigration courts. The Biden administration has been struggling to cope with the unprecedented wave of migration. It causes include a Venezuelan refugee crisis, an economic downturn in Latin America, and apparently the sense and idea often repeated on TikTok and the WhatsApp groups that the U.S. border right now is open. Historic U.S. auto workers strike escalated this morning as United Auto Workers President Sean Fain called in 38 additional plants across 20 states to join the strike. During a live stream update, Fain announced the additional strikes at automaker plants as contract negotiations with the big three automakers remain far apart on economic issues. George Will had a great point about this strike. The auto unions are being too timid. They should demand that the CEOs make... I can't remember what he wrote, 157 grand a year because that's the salary of a typical uh, government head of some agency. And he said these these are, he's echoing something we've said for ages now, these are just now government car companies. And they really are. Mm-hmm. 
They're government car companies. And I don't want to drive a government car. I don't want to drive a government car. Yeah. But if you lower the wage to, what was it, 157 yeah. aren't you also going to be picking from a more shallow talent pool? Of course, but the government is going to be running. Pretty soon the cars will be so horrible that you won't want one anyway because so, they're government companies. So you're saying basically the CEO and whoever runs these companies will just be mouthpieces for the government. Right, and I am saying that the uh, automobile production as we've known it has succumbed to the mystery and it will be it'll be gone shortly. Do you think that'll be permanently so? I, I don't think I agree with you and George Will. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm sorry. You're wrong. That's all right. Well, I think in this case, I might be right, and yeah. you two are just being presumptuous. Well, I just think that the think automobile manufacturing the is being ruined by the government. The government has it's, its nose in everything you're producing. It's hard to debate that. Give me a couple of weeks, and I'll come up with a one-liner that will hurt your feelings. Yeah. It's going to get you with a zinger at about yeah. 2 in the morning. Just, just yeah. wait for it, pal. It's coming can text it to you. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch's surprise announcement yesterday. He's stepping down as leader of his two companies, leaves son Lachlan firmly in line of succession at Fox and the rest of the media empire. The 92-year-old Australian billionaire's creation of Fox News Channel has made him an enduring force in American politics. Fox said Murdoch would become chairman emeritus of both the ne uh, news network's parent company, Fox Corp, and the News Corp media holdings. Effective in November, Lachlan will become the News Corp chairperson and continue as chief executive officer at Fox. There's Corp. another way to say this. Uh, Mary Barra, for example, at GM, she's as accountable to the government as she is to a stockholder. The government the government has a place at their boardroom, and it's that's what it's become. This is not the car companies of the old. The 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 government is establishing the rules. The government is telling him you must produce electric cars. The government imposes cafe standards on them. The government goes on and on and on. The government is has an important place in the in the, at the at the mahogany table in the boardroom of all automobile manufacturers, at least in this country. Okay. What Ford, do you Ford, uh, GM, and Stellantis. What would happen if uh, these companies? turned their backs on the government and didn't do, as the government said, stop producing electric vehicles, well, you know, that, et cetera, that, et cetera. That brings us to uh, it's long past the time when the car manufacturers should have said to the government, go bleep yourself. They can't now. When do you they're, think they're this too started? They're too dependent on subsidies. They're too dependent on tax breaks. They're too dependent on everything the governor has winnowed its way into their lives, and now they're stuck with it. Do you suppose this started with the bailout? What was that, five, yes, ten years ago? Yes, yes, Yeah. I don't think Ford accepted bailout money, did they? No, but they're sure as hell accepting subsidies for EV production. They are now, yeah. Mm -hmm. no. It's a shame. Uh, it's an interesting topic. It, it, well, it's an intra... The, the car business has always fascinated me. I love cars. I love the whole thing. And it's just kind of sad to see it becoming a government entity. You know, and I know we're on different sides of the new Corvette coin, but I think you're right. When um, a, a car 
and I think you could use the word iconic, the, the Corvette, especially, what is it, we're up to C8 now? Well, yeah, all, all foghornable words are great words that had great meanings. It's just that they've been corrupted. But, but the I Corvette mean, would be an example of an iconic car. Yeah, that's an American muscle car and has been since it was invented. And now, what are they doing, throwing the uh, a bone to the government saying, see, see, well, I, I don't understand their motivation. Why would they do this? Even though I kind of, I'd, you know, like to take because one Because they're married to the Green New Deal for reasons that make no sense. Uh, after John, I'm going to tell you an interesting piece we got from Scott in Montana. What would happen if climate activists got their way. Will you hear this? John, you want to wrap it up and I'll tell you about Sure. Uh, one more story. A novel pattern of solar panels on the roof of three terraced houses in the town of Dorn has sparked a council investigation because they spell out the Dutch slang word for the male swimsuit area. The roof has caused a bit of a social media stir, and sometimes the houses are buzzed by low-flying helicopters who want to take a picture. That's prompting the Utrechtse Hoeverlug Council to take action. The owner of the house, who preferred to remain anonymous, was the last to get the panels and says the shape had to be different because of his skylight, and he didn't really plan to form a naughty word. What is the word? Uh, the word, it's uh, in Dutch, it's L-U-L. That translates to the D word for male genitalia. I'll be damned. So it's a, the windows Dork? or the solar panels Dummy. all have L-U-L. Dead Rez... <laughs> Res Peter, who lives at number 38, is not happy about the number arrangement. Number 38. He, <laughs> number 38. He asked if the Housing Association, Hoovelrug Wonen, if it could do something about the lettering. He told the paper, surely the people who installed the panel should have been more careful. All in all, I am not happy and I don't see any humor. But Patrick at number 42 is pleased with the impact on his electricity bill and the occupant of the U home says he would rather the neighborhood be known for its solar panels than criminality. Local council Utrechtse Hoevelrug, meanwhile, has started an investigation. Town official Rob Yorg said we have to decide if this is acceptable or not. You don't need a permit for solar panels, but that does not mean you can just do whatever you want. Now, Dutch is Holland. Yeah, the pointy mm -hmm. shoes. Yeah. Denmark, uh, Denmark, Copenhagen is in Denmark, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. What town is in Holland? Uh, I mean, a town. Give me a town Amsterdam? in Holland. Well, Amsterdam. Dorn. Yeah, Amsterdam. Dorn, the one this is happening. And the one where this guy's got the the D word on his roof. Yes. Yeah. Dorn. Those are the only two towns in. Uh, Holland. Yeah, there's only two towns. Two towns. Like to look at maps. I love maps on the maps. Google. Uh, let, let's. Uh, I'm going to sober you up for the weekend here when we come back. What if I wanted to travel to one of those destinations? Well, I'm glad you were talking about that because I was just talking to some people out in the hallway. Were you? From accounting and HR. I didn't see and that. And they said they're looking for something different. Were you just out there now? Yeah, I just ran out there during Boy, uh, you're fast. whatever you were saying last time. I didn't. I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to leave the room. Right. Um, and I talked to them, and I said, well, here's the deal. Next year, Escape With Us Vacations, my sisters, Teresa and Maria, they are forming a trip to Croatia. And this trip to Croatia is going to be, number one, absolutely beautiful. If you haven't been to uh, Croatia and if you've heard about it, anybody that's ever been there says it is beautiful. So what we're going to do is go up and down the coast, eight-day cruise from Split to Dubrovnik. 
If you'd like to learn more about this trip and about how much fun it's going to be, they've already filled up one ship, the Adriatic King. They're on the second ship, the Adriatic Queen. So if you want to learn more, check them out online at escapewithusvacations.com. You can get the entire itinerary, the cost, where we're going, apps, where we're going to stop. And everything that is included is sitting right there. So do yourself a favor. Go to escapewithusvacations.com and learn about it. I want you to go on this trip. It is going to be a blast. If you want to talk to someone, 651-788-4338. 651-788-4338. Come with us to Croatia next come, July. Come with us. What? Come with us. <laughs> All right. Come with us. Uh-huh. Next July, 14th to 21st, Escape With Us Vacations. So you won't be on the show those days? Dot com. i got to put in a request. Yeah. The shows are really going to be bad. What if the airport? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. So I was on the phone this morning with my friends at Hofferman Water because I had to schedule my filter replacement for both the water softener and, of course, the drinking water system. And you know what? They are so pleasant and they are so willing to work around your schedule. They're fantastic people. Hoffermanwater.com is the website, by the way, so check that out. If you're in the market for a water softener and iron, rust, and odor filtration system or a brand new drinking water system, they're going to get you taken care of. Uh, And they love all of you GLers and thank you for your support. Uh, Hoffermanwater.com, please go on that website, schedule that free water analysis and have them come out and see how bad your water is because mine was awful. Anyway, uh, let them know that you heard it on here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Bruh. The fellow who got a lot of national attention interviewed about the lost marine jet. Uh, would you play the part where he says he was taking a shave? Yes. And then we have a song. Uh, Howard alerted me to this. It's I did not know this was such a lifelong euphemism. I was in the uh, in the bathroom taking a shave. Yep. Now he's the same guy whose scream is better than. <laughs> Oh, that's just a really great rock and roll scream. In any event, now I'll go back to the song. That's by, uh, you should have the title. Benny Bell, it's Shaving Benny, Cream. Benny Bell with an old song called Shaving Cream. I have a sad story to tell you. It may hurt your feelings a bit. Last night when I walked into my bathroom, I stepped in a big pile of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. I think I'll break off with my girlfriend. Hello? Her antics are queer, I'll admit. Each time I say, darling, I love you, she tells me that I'm full of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. All right, thank you. That's enough. Shave every day. <laughs> That's enough. <clears throat> Did Benny Bell ever warm up Bob and Ray? <laughs> <laughs> I knew Kenny was just really, really <laughs> frowning on this. Like 1919. Isn't it interesting though that these modern phrases, like you're full of, they were they've been around forever. Yes, it's been said yeah, before. That is fascinating, Joe. <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> what would happen if climate activists got their way? 
from Montana Talks. Uh, well, you would be walking or going back to the days of the horse and buggy. Even today's bicycles use petroleum in their production. Remember, you can't create wind turbines and solar panels, panels without coal and petroleum, so there would be no more electricity. Without electricity, say goodbye to electronic devices, including your computers, cell phone, and TV. No refrigeration. Most people in hospitals would die without electricity. This is a long list of things we would have to do without. Plastic goods. Goodbye to most of your favorite household items. Paint, medicine, machines, pens, etc. would disappear. In essence, without oil, we would be immediately thrust into not only an economic depression, worse than the Great Depression, but we'd be thrust back into the Middle Ages. You'd have to live like the Amish. Grocery stores will close. You'll have to go back to growing your own food. That may sound great until you try it. And the food is going to have to be fresh since there won't be refrigeration. It was hard on the land back when every human being had to clear out at least 40 acres to feed a family. Today, thanks to organic fuels, produce, uh, you can produce far more on less land. All of the drinking water that comes out of your tap is filtered water in order to remove contaminants and impurities. Organic fuels, that's another name for fossil fuels, filter our water, bringing it into our homes and protecting us from illnesses and death from drinking contaminated water. The last of the basic needs we've covered, food, water, and shelter, you can expect to go back to tent living. Almost every part of your home is made either from petroleum products themselves, such as your asphalt shingles, or made from products that require gas-powered or electric power to produce, such as your wood framing and steel reinforcement beams. Uh, Northern Oil Field Services believes that most of us prefer our heated homes over tent uh, tents and caves. Amen to that. You'll have to burn something to cook your food. That creates more pollution than how we do it today, and it's a lot less healthy. You'll be burning wood to keep warm. So many people doing that is really bad for the environment. It's much better for the planet the way we climate control our homes today. In the summer, people will die from heat exhaustion. By the way, life expectancy of the average person before the use of coal, gas, and oil was 31 years old on average. Today, humans live to be an average of 77. It's typical to see healthy people well into their 80s. That is directly due to the, to the use of fossil fuels. Solar cells are a petroleum and coal product, so solar energy would not exist. Biofuels rely on oil, which would not exist. Nuclear power needs petroleum products that made that make nuclear energy possible. The creation of wind turbines is also not possible without petroleum. If these climate protesters want to go back to living medieval, let them. I'll stay in our modern times. Thank you very much, writes the author of this, and that's it. In other words, you, nothing would be the same. Nothing. Everything would change. No. Think of but, the harsh winters. And you have morons entitled, basically entitled white youth from the failed academy who are demanding the uh, no more use of fossil fuels. Well, you, won't, you wouldn't have life as we know it then. Are they 
though, are they demanding that it can't be used in all of those above mentioned? Well, they things? don't know what they're doing. They're they don't know the effect that uh, the uh, they don't know the extent to which fossil fuels are used in the production of virtually everything the protesters use in their lives. They don't have that knowledge. They don't have that wisdom. They're just reactionary. So therefore, there go the fossil fuels. Let's not have that happen. Hell no. I don't want that to happen. Let's do something about this immediately. And we also know that the governor has appointed a business person as the uh, director of the Cannabis Management Office. She will be the Cannabis Management Director and thus does... The uh, she says she are the manager. government girl. Yeah. What, what's, what's her, her name? What the hell's her name? Well, before we start mocking this, she looked like um, she might be pro business and ready to make some money, and uh, she didn't have any well I mean, visible and, face tattoos or piercings. Did so. she smell like? In weed? fact, Gary Brock from California is mm-hmm. offering this as a ray of hope. Her name is Erin Dupree. She's been a capitalist her whole life. Okay. Yeah, and okay. she's now the state's first director of the Office of Cannabis Management. She starts October second. She'll start building the new state agency and will have a leadership role in establishing and regulating the adult use cannabis market in Minnesota. She has been an entrepreneur, small business owner, and consultant focused on helping new startups in the implementation phase of their business vision. She is the founder, vice president of sales and operations, and head of research and development at Lunacy Cannabis Company located in Apple Valley. So she's had experience in Minnesota hemp and cannabis for more than 20 years, and Walls must have made a mistake uh, hiring her uh, because she's had nothing to do with the government. I wonder if the restrictions that are placed on hemp farmers right now will be eased because the state of Minnesota has made uh, hemp farmers' lives absolutely miserable with their um, constant testing and their just a pain in the ass. And remember that it's a constitutional right in Minnesota to grow and sell whatever you want. So everything that's been done to farmers raising hemp has been unconstitutional. Oh, boy, I'll say. You can grow. It's in the Minnesota Constitution. I got that from the former head of the state gambling office. So when has the state of Minnesota ever cared about the Constitution? Well, they might have. I said before we brought this up, I said all it's going to take is one lawsuit. Look, you can't you can't prevent me from setting up a roadside stand to sell the dope I've just grown. The dope. I have the constitutional Wouldn't right to do that. That be awesome. Yeah. You get your sweet corn and you get your, your dope. tomatoes and your some weed. pumpkins yeah. and a pound of weed. That's right. You could do it under America. the state's constitution. You suppose it's going to be one of those boxes where you just put in what would a pound of weed cost? Three, four thousand dollars. You just stuff three grand. Oh, into you the box. Have, you, you're talking about the the roadside stand with the honor system. Yeah, the honor yeah. box. Yeah. yeah. Well, in any event, uh, Aaron Dupree will have to wrestle with that. She's your new cannabis. cannabis. My hand is caught under the microphone. I can't get my hand out. What the well, hell? What are you you doing? wouldn't smoke so much weed during the last break. Oh, my gosh. What is wrong with <laughs> yeah. you? A lot, of, a lot of hand issues today, Joe. Yeah, right. my thumb, thumb got your thumb stuck. Was stuck. 
Yeah. My thumb got yeah, stuck in my okay. palm. Your thumb is stuck. Uh huh. What do you think, Ray? Uh, 14,000 trees, ding, ding. You mean to tell me they got 10 mil for that? I planted 2,000 pine saplings on my property in the spring of 2022 in a day. One day at a rate of 714 bucks a tree, I'm ready to receive my 1.428 million. Not bad for a day's work. Nope. Dave in rural Wisconsin. Yep. I got to go get some water. Wait, before you do that, um, during one of the breaks about half an hour ago, I just entered into the Google free trees in Minnesota. Uh, if you need to get yourself a tree or two, just enter that into the Google. You can get free trees all over the state. But we've Courtesy, got 15 state agencies to do it for you. Right. So just pick one. Wow. Yeah. Can you hold, please? We went extra long today, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah, and you missed some stuff, too. I know. But I kept waiting for the tree guy to call. Gave him plenty of time. They're on to us. Only because they come to us all the way, in this case, from Eden Prairie, the traveling lineman. On this day. Uh, September 2-2. Two, two. In 1895, Elmer A. Benson was born in Appleton. He served as governor from 1937 to 1939, representing the Farmer Labor Party. Under his watch, the state's first workers' compensation law passed. His sympathy for the communist principles would lead to dispute among members of his party, but he would retain control of the Farmer Labor Party until 1944 when it merged with the Democratic Party. Increasingly radical, Benson became a marginal figure in politics and returned to the farm in Appleton until his death on March 13, 1985. What was his first name? Elmer. We've gone through a lot of Elmers and Andersons. Yeah, we have. uh, His name was Benson. I thought you were going to say that's where Benson, Minnesota was named after, but that was after Ben H. Benson, a Norwegian settler. Uh, What happened on this day? What's the date? September 22nd, Joe. Uh, In baseball. September 22nd. 1968. 1968. 1968. Twins related. Twins related. Yes. Uh, Played all nine positions. Yes. Caesar Tovar. Caesar Tovar, thank you. Played all nine positions during a Twins game. Where do you want to play? Everywhere. And they advertised it, right, that this was a big attraction because the Twins were garbage? I remember Royce telling the story once. That I don't recall. I thought he did it out of necessity. What game in six? No, you know what? I bet he didn't do it out of necessity. I thought I think it was a bit. They did because I know Royce's told the story about they pre-promoted that he yeah. was going to do this in, in an effort to sell tickets. Although in the '68 year, the season, I hadn't been born yet. But do you have information on what was halter top night that night or that year? Because my dad probably would have gone. <laughs> I by. don't have that. Okay, yeah. They don't do that anymore, do they? No, they, they probably no, they would, don't have parents that, like Bob going. That would there probably be impolitic to yes. do that now. Yes, yes. but still know. hot. I mean, 
Well, it was fun. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun the, the event. Nine-year-old and awakening, you know. Yeah, hey, yeah. I'm losing interest in baseball here. <laughs> yeah, misogyny. It's always a fun, you know. Yeah, misogyny's yeah. good. Fun yeah. game uh, to play. All right, thank you, GLers. Uh, I feel good. I will provide the uh, link to the remix of that to House of Pain. Yeah, for the yeah. GLers that were not part of the town. Felt like it was at uh, Madison. Jump around. Yeah, jump around. Uh, I will say, if you want to jump around YouTube, you may, because Garage Logic has a YouTube page that you can subscribe to for free. Please investigate that. Flip over to garagelogic.com, click on the town council, and you will be entertained, informed prior to the show, during the breaks, and post show for 10 bucks a month or $100 for the entire year. That is the Garage Logic Town Council. Winter is coming. Winter is coming, as they quote in Game of Thrones. So why don't you go to the uh, garagelogic.com website, find yourself a nice, warm, and toasty sweatshirt, and you'll be nice and toasty while you're listening to Garage Logic during those chilly months when you've already called Welter Heating and Air Conditioning. You worked oh, it, man. Nice.